Evening. It's good to see you. Um, how many of you were here at either of the morning services? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, in case you hadn't picked up, uh, I'm on for the whole of September doing all the stuff morning and evening. So um, you, you get to you get to hear the repeat. Um, uh, but the reason is that you know sometimes. We just need to kind of step into some stuff as a whole church family, um, and so uh, that's what we've got. Um, was anyone not here last Sunday? Okay, right. So reminder of what we talked about, uh, or a first time, but really brief. Um, not like the 40 minutes you got last um, last Sunday evening. I'll do this in about three. Okay, I talked about uh, a vision for our church family, and uh, we've called it this uh, little phrase, a church on the way. And uh, I explained some of the new branding and the logo and that kind of stuff. And the idea for this uh, little phrase, a church on the way, of course has come from Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But it's also got a whole bunch of other things uh, as well. So the Cotswold Way, um, also the early church being followers of the way, and then this little kind of nod to um, Jack Hayford who wrote Majesty, uh, and his church was called Church on the Way. And it's got three elements to it, following, growing, and going. Following Jesus growing as uh, his disciples, as his followers, and then going and doing the things uh, that he has asked us to do. Completely shameless plug. Um, Alpha is starting on the 26th of uh, September in the evening. I think, uh, I checked the website, I think there's about five folks signed up for it so far. And so I'm going to be really mean now. Uh, I did this at the 11 o'clock as well. Um, I'm going to invite you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit right now who you should invite. Because then if you've had a conversation with him, you've got to do it. (laughs) Uh, So come on, Uh, why don't you just take a little moment and ask the Holy Spirit if there's someone, a neighbor, work colleague or whatever it is, that he'd really love to come on Alpha. This is really mean, isn't it? Great. If you heard something, go for it. Send him a text or something, because it's obviously a God-ordained appointment, so get on with it. Um, and uh, if you didn't, we'll pray some more when you get home. Um, second thing, just to flag up as well, is we've got our first training session for the way. That's kind of one of the parts of this uh, vision for a church on the way. So we've got some uh, input this week, and it's going to be on sharing your story. Question. Who has had a chance to share at least a little bit of their story in the last month? Put a hand in the air. Okay, that's fantastic. The rest of you, you need to come on Thursday and uh, come and find out about how to share your story. And these three at the back are leading. Okay, um, come on, come along, come and join in and uh, we can learn some of this stuff uh, together. Uh, last week I also introduced you to this idea of co-mission the Great Commission at the end of Matthew 28, but that we don't get to do this stuff by ourselves. We get to join in with the Holy Spirit, get to co-labor with Him. And so I've invented this phrase just to annoy you called co-mission. And you get to, uh, you get to see 
and join in with what God is, God is doing rather than do it all in your own strength. Um, I also talked about this idea of culture shift. Um, and, uh, this is a river, um, in Honduras and they built the bridge in the right place and then Hurricane Mitch came along and overnight the river had changed position. And that's what's happened in our culture. And actually we've got to find some different ways of communicating in this day and age. The message is the same, but we need to find a different language, a different voice within which to communicate. Almost last thing. Uh, I pitched in this idea that maybe maybe there could be a church here of 750 people. I didn't pitch it out as a target in the sense of this is what I think is going to happen. It's there as a kind of irritant so that we uh, we choose to think differently about how we do church. And what I said was that actually the primary strategy for getting there is not a program. It's not about doing lots of stuff. It's all those little dots on the map which are you and me living across Western and Lower Western and Bath and the outskirts of Bath. And God has placed you and me in the ideal place to reach the people that he wants to reach. The challenge is simply joining in. And so then two uh, things that we're going to do. We're going to try and make the way clear, make pathways really clear so that people can follow Jesus. And we're going to start from where we are, not from where we're not. Starting from those places where we live and work. So let's dive into uh, today's stuff. Um, And we are looking at um, habits We're looking at the first two of the five habits that I just want to introduce you to. They are, if you like, they're old things, but we need to kind of grab hold of them. So there are habits that are good and there are habits that are not so good. Um, Any of you got dogs? Any of you got dogs? Put a hand up. Come on, give us a wave. Some of you got dogs. Are we the only family with dogs here? None of us, you got dogs. You know that if you don't take the dog for a walk, the dog does one of two things. It either goes crazy around the house and starts tearing stuff up. Does yours do that? Okay. Or, you know, kind of gets slightly depressed. Uh, and, and people, if they don't go for walks, are slightly like that sometimes as well. You know, they kind of run around the lounge causing chaos. Um, or, or they just kind of get down. You know, going for a walk with your dog is a really good thing. It's a good habit. And if you don't go for the walk, the dog is going to let you know about it, either by going crazy or doing what ours does, kind of sitting in the corner and looking at you, turning her head sideways, as if she knows what you, what, you know, she's communicating. There's only three options, really, uh, as to what the dog wants. I'll leave the rest to you. There are, there are good habits. This is a good habit. There are also bad habits. The bad habit... Uh, is both starting the tube of Pringles and finishing the tube of Pringles. When this happen happens, there are certain things that happen to us as a result of that. The first thing is that there are less Pringles in the world. The second thing that happens is that there is more of us in the world. This is not a helpful habit. There are good habits and there are bad habits. The great news is is that good habits actually don't take that long to form. Um, I spent about two years of my life uh, trying to retrain my children 
evening lads, uh, to um, switch off their lights in their bedrooms when they went to school uh, and to uh, pick up the wet towels and that kind of stuff. Um, I failed completely. Um, it's not their fault. It's entirely my fault. I did at one point think about fining them, um, uh, but the problem with finding them is I'm also the one that pays the pocket money. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's just a, a loop. It's, you know, it's like tax evasion if you're Amazon or something. It just doesn't work. So instead, what I did is I set myself a reminder. Every day, after the kids have gone to school, to do a check of the house. And on that list, I don't know, Meg, did you even know that I had this list? Uh, on this list is all sorts of things. Switch off the boys' bedroom lights, pick up the towels, uh, clean the coffee machine. Actually, I fail on that one quite regularly. Um, but after a while, I no longer even needed it on a list because it had become a habit after the kids had gone to school to go and switch off all the lights that they'd left on. Sorry, lads. Talk about you in public when you're here. Um, if you do want to switch off the lights, though, that's absolutely fine. Um, <clears throat> just bring it up. A bit parenting, public. <laughs> you can you can punch me later. You got free punch. That's right. It's okay. <laughs> uh, so tonight we are talking about this first of the of the five habits of the way. Five habits of things that we can do that help to position us to grow, to position us to do the things that God has wanted, wanting us to do, to grow, but also to go. Um, I, I don't know uh, how long you've been a Christian or what kind of, uh, if you were brought up in a Christian family, what kind of upbringing you had. Uh, was anyone else brought up on quiet times? Come on, raise a hand. You need to join in. Yeah, a few of you. I, I was brought up on quiet times. The quiet time uh, was a very serious business. There wasn't any, no low laughter was involved, definitely weren't allowed to be having any fun, um, and the quiet time you had to kind of sit in quiet, uh, praying um, very earnestly and reading your Bible very seriously, um, and probably not smiling about that either. Anyway, I got to my kind of late, uh, late teens, early twenties, frankly the, uh, the concept of a quiet time just annoyed me. It was like, it was like death to me, kind of coming and trying to do this thing, because I had made it an equation for connecting with God. Holiness, being with God, equaled prayer, reading, and doing that every day. You know, I, I am going to encourage you to pray and I am going to encourage you to read your Bible, but I don't want to give that to you as a formula. What I want it to do is to open the door of relationship for you. I don't want it to be a burden. I don't want it to be an extra thing of guilt for you. I don't know whether you've ever read any of John Ortberg's stuff. He's a really great writer in the States. One of the things that he, he wrote um, was this idea of training versus trying. You see, coming and praying, having some time when you're still before God each day, is not about trying to be in relationship with him. It's not about trying to be there. It's about training. 
Yes, it's this strange word, a discipline, but it's a relational discipline. And what we do is we put in the training so that then, when we are going through our ordinary every day, then we are trained to recognize what he's doing in the rest of the week. And that means that when you bump into something that annoys you or upsets you, maybe you pause a little bit more quickly before flying off the handle. You know, maybe you hit the horn on the car a little bit more slowly. Unless, of course, like about a month ago, I think it was, I was trying to pull out into the motorway and this truck just intentionally stayed right beside me however fast I was going. I'm sorry to say I did chase him down the motorway, bibbing my horn. Uh, um, Do I need to repent? Probably. Um, But in those moments, hopefully... What happens is the training of you spending time with God kicks in and you at least recognize what he's saying to you afterwards. And hopefully that time frame gets shorter. Building muscles of trust. Growing with the mind of Christ. Standing strong in the Holy Spirit. Um... Those of you who are older in the room will remember a day before broadband. Oh, yes. We had this little thing that we had to order. It was called a modem. And it had little flashy lights on the front. Okay? And it used to dial up to whoever kept the internet. Probably NASA or somewhere. And they phoned them up. And the noises come back. It phoned up NASA, grabbed hold of some internet and pulled it into your house so that you could use it. It was amazing. This was dial-up. And then came uh, BT Highway. Did anyone else subscribe to that or was it just me? <laughs> me and Ken. Home Highway was a phenomenal development just before broadband because you didn't just get 56k, you got 144. I thought it was 128. It was 144. Whatever. It was like it was it was however fast the other thing was, but twice as fast. It was it was amazing. You could get the BBC in about half an hour per page. It's phenomenally quick. And then, of course, you know, broadband arrived and we all got little Wi-Fi things in our homes and we all had a Wi-Fi hotspot. And as long as you were near the Wi-Fi hotspot, then you'd get online, it was fine. And then, then 4G, well, 3G arrived and then 4G and soon it will be 5G. This always-on connection and you can, it's not even like you have to connect, you're always connected. Well, actually, Ken will tell me later, it's not actually like that. What happens is it goes bing and connects just when you need it to, but that's a whole other thing. Um, I, I've come to understand that, that being with God is less like dial-up and more like 4G. You know, he doesn't just want us to dial in and go, aha, we've connected for a little bit. He wants us to be connected all the time. All the time. That's his best for us. 
It's like waking up in the morning and, and prayer then becomes, I, I, I'm just checking that I've switched off do not disturb or sleep mode. And I'm just checking I'm fully connected. Yeah, we're fully, we're good to go. 4G's on for the day. And what happens when we live like that, when we pray like that, we are inviting an overflow of God's grace in our lives. It's like we are constantly putting ourselves in the hands of the master potter who reshapes and molds us. Before the service, there was this set of pictures about about gold and about um, the gold being refined and, and all of the all of the dross being taken off the surface, but it had been something and it's been put then in a new mold and being made into this new shape. And when we when we pray, when we read God's word, what we're doing is we're we're putting ourselves into the hands of God so that He can reshape us. You know, the last thing that I want you to hear tonight is the pressure or guilt of kind of carrying another thing that you should do. And I also don't want you to hear, uh, you know, that this is the, this is the only way to do this. You know, I, I, I get really bored really quick and I have to mix things up and do things differently. I, I want to encourage you to have the habit of spending time in prayer. The habit of reading your Bible daily, but to do so in a really creative way. Daily habits that transform your day. So let's dive in and talk about prayer, shall we? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, this then is how you should pray. Our Father. How's the rest go? Our Father. That's enough. It's great. Why, why do they teach children the thine, the thy version at school? I don't get that. Anyway. <laughs> Who knows? We've got all these different versions, but the fact is we've got some of the Lord's Prayer in our head. That is amazing. It's a wonderful thing. The Lord's Prayer is this picture this model from Jesus about how to pray how to pray and right up front he says our father but there's an intimacy in there that's that the that the NIV doesn't quite capture you know this is this is like saying daddy god this is the closeness of a father not a Victorian father who's absent and one. This is the father who's close. This is dad. And we get to be in his presence. Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. We get to the father through Jesus and Jesus teaches us to pray, our father. And also lead me not into temptation. Inviting our Father God to lead us through the day to the good things and away from the destructive things. But also to pray for daily bread. How, how do you pray for daily bread? You pray daily. You know, 
Praying the Lord's Prayer is not like going to Lidl and doing your weekly shop and you pick up all the bread for the whole week and then you keep half of it in the freezer um, if it's just one loaf between a few of you because otherwise it will go mouldy by the end of the week. That's not how this works. It's daily. Give us today our daily bread. And Jesus models time with his Father. He, he, he was often... The disciples used to mislay him. Where's Jesus? He's praying. He's spending time with his Father. I don't know whether... Um, whether you've tried this practice of thanksgiving as a way of praying. You know, thanksgiving is fantastic because what it does is it changes the atmosphere. Changes the atmosphere around you, but also the atmosphere of your own heart. There was a whole season in my life where I, I, I found it really difficult to get through each day. And so I made it my personal prayer activity that I would pray prayers of thanksgiving before I got out of bed. You know, the alarm would go off, I'd hit snooze, and that would give me, what, seven, eight minutes, prayers of thanksgiving before my feet have hit the floor. I think it's one of the things that got me through. Thanksgiving changes the atmosphere. You know, when we pray... When we pray, we do actually enter the presence of God. In Revelation chapter 3, it says, I stand at the door and knock. You know, this is a, this is a one-time thing. Will you let Jesus into your life? But I also think it's a daily thing. You know, we get to the start of each new day and Jesus knocks on the door of our heart and he says, are you going to open the door today? Because I'd like to come in. I'd like to eat with you. I'd like to share life with you. A simple prayer, even a simple one, just says at the start of the day, yes, Lord, the door is open. I want to walk with you today. At the end of the day, you might be, maybe, you know, maybe you're not a morning person, or even if you're not a morning person, I'm encouraging you to pray when you, when you start the day. But maybe you want to invest a bit more time at the end of the day. You want to pray, maybe you might want to use an ancient way of praying called the examine. It's so simple. Two questions. What's been life giving from today? And what's been life-draining? What was good about today? What was hard about today? Or if you're like, you know, if you're all creative, what was the rose? I don't like this one. What was the rose from today? And what was the thorn? No, I don't like it. Don't use that. You can use that if you like. Oh, I don't like it. And then you take those two things and you simply bring them before your loving Heavenly Father. And you give thanks for the good thing. Say, Lord, help me to see more of the good things. And you also bring before him the difficult thing. And you ask him to be with you. You ask him to help you through. Maybe you even ask him to take it away. What's life-giving? What's life-draining? We'll talk more about that another time, about the examine. It's a great way to pray. And, And what's wonderful about it is you can do it if you've been following Jesus for 50 years 
and you can do it with three and four year olds and they get it so my question is if you're if you're not going to pray each day if you're not going to do this what are you going to do? see Psalm 23 says this even though I walk through the darkest valley I will fear no evil for you are with me or thou art with me depends what version you've got in your head you see Jesus wants to walk with you through each part of the day, the good times and the tough times. If you're not going to pray at the start of the day, even if you, you, know, you have to sit there with a double espresso and do it, then who are you going to walk through the day with? Because you will walk through the day with someone. Let's move on and talk about Reed. In Psalm 119 it says this, Your word is a lamp to my... For, for my feet, a light to my path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. I don't know about you, but, but I need the mind of Christ. You know, sometimes my thinking is wonky, sometimes I, I worry or I get confused. I need the mind of Christ. How do I get the mind of Christ? I get the mind of Christ by reading God's Word and allowing the Holy Spirit to impress it on me. What I need is I need to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Why? So that I can know God's good, pleasing and perfect will. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2. I need the mind of Christ and I need my mind to be renewed. How do we do this? Well, folks, I've put some suggestions on the church website if you haven't kind of got a, a daily pattern for reading the Bible. Um, I, uh, because I'm dyslexic, you know, sometimes the reading is hard work. So I listen to the Bible. I've got the Bible app. Um, from uh, from Life Church, how many use that one? It's the one that looks like a really cheesy Bible on your on your Android or iPhone or whatever. Okay, um, it's a great app and it's completely free. And they have got tons and tons of reading plans on there. I'm on a, I'm on the one year Bible reading plan. But the best bit about it for me is that all of it, almost all of the Bible versions, have got audio that come with them. So I, I have my reading for the day and I hit play with my headphones in and it reads me all the Bible passages. It's fantastic. If, if you, if you want to try that, but you don't have to, you know, struggle with reading to do that stuff. It, it's a fantastic way of getting the Word of God in your head. That's trying to go through the Bible in a year. But, but there are slow ways to read the Bible as well. I met someone a number of years ago, he said that he recommends for new Christians that they read Romans chapter 8 every single day for six months or a year or whatever it was. I was like, it's a bit hardcore, isn't it? So I'd better give it a try, pastor, you know. So I gave it a try. You know, Romans chapter 8 is good stuff. But I tell you what, when you read Romans chapter 8, every single day, you know, God kind of digs in deep. 
It's great reading the Bible slowly. Meg and I, beginning of last year, were reading Psalm 100, uh, Psalm 18 together. It's a fantastic psalm. I don't quite know how we landed on that one, but we, it's just like we were kind of going mining for gold in God's Word. And we just allowed Him to drop new things in for us each day. When we read the Bible like this, what we're doing is we're not pulling it apart academically. We're allowing God's Word to till the soil of our lives. We're allowing Him to till the soil of our lives. And when He does that, all those things that shouldn't be growing there, He starts to unroot them. And He starts to sow good things in your mind. I, I am quite pleased because in, in my Bible reading, I've just moved on from Ecclesiastes uh, you know, which was meaningless, frankly, um, uh, to Song of Songs. So I've, you know, I've got a, at least, you know, a couple of days of this week is going to be quite cheery, so that's encouraging. Um, <laughs> won't say any more about that tonight. <clears throat> uh, whether you read at the beginning of the day or the end of the day, or whether you listen, whether you read a lot or a little, whether you focus on one verse or whether you get some notes to help you, can I encourage you to read God's Word every day? You know, if we're going to allow, if we're going to allow God to transform us as a church family, the way that starts is with us as individuals. Um, when I was at New Wine, I knew I was going to be giving this talk, so I, uh, I bought five of these. And I gave away three of them this morning. I got two more for tonight. Uh, this is 30 Days, Nicky Gumbel's book. Great book, um, introducing you to reading the Bible. And I want to give two of them away tonight. And the deal is, is that if you take one of them, then when you've used it, you have to give it away to someone else. So if you want a kickstart in your Bible reading, then this is for you. It is a free gift no money needs to pass. So um, it's got like uh, great little Bible readings and a little comment um, from Nikki. And um, it's 30 days in the Bible. I'll give you a kickstart. Who wants them? Great. Here? Your mum suggested it. <laughs> you, you've just been dropped in it. You were looking the wrong way. You're in. And now you're committed. So there. It's tough, isn't it? <laughs> but don't worry, because you've only got to have it for 30 days and then you can give it away to someone else. It'll be fine. You know, sometimes we need a kickstart, don't we? And just kind of restart, because it only takes 30 days to form a habit. It's 30 days. So, if we do this, if we take on these five habits, and especially these two at the start, what, what might happen? What might happen in us, as individuals, but also in a ch- as a church? Why I think they're so important is, is simply this. I think if we make space to pray and to read God's Word, then what will happen is we'll be making more space for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. You know, none of us need any more guilt. So I don't want you to take that away from tonight. What we need is more of God working in our lives. And I think this makes space for him to do that. 
more space for the Holy Spirit. I think what will happen is we'll start to have the mind of Christ because, you know, when you when you read God's Word, what, what happens is it all goes in, but He also sometimes highlights one for the day. You know? You might read, you, you know, sometimes in the Bible reading for a year, there'll, there'll just be a verse that kind of jumps out. But either way, that stuff's in. And then when you need it, the Holy Spirit will prompt you and will remind you of what you need. And he'll direct you to his word. I think what will happen is when we start to pray each day, we'll be more aware of the Holy Spirit's leading each day. You know, I was, I was with someone recently and we were, we were talking and, uh, and I was asking the question in my heart that I, that I, I always ask when I'm, when I'm talking to people that I don't know very well and, uh, especially if, if, you know, strangers at a party or something. And this person that I was talking to recently, uh, and this is not a story of success, by the way, this is a story of me messing it up. Um, just so you know where this is going. Uh, as I was, as, the, as they were talking, I was saying, okay, Lord, what, what, you know, what, what do you want to say to this person? And they were talking in their retirement about their creativity and all the stuff that they're stepping into. And I, and I just, I just felt God's delight in what they were doing. And I was like, it was on the tip of my tongue. I was like, I, and I missed the moment. I didn't get a chance to say it. But you know, I think as we, as we pray each day, as we read God's Word, we're more aware, we're more attentive to that stuff. And I hope that then some of the time we do it as well. I think we'll grow in the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that if you, if you pray every day that it works like a formula and that suddenly you kind of, you're so much fuller with kindness. Actually, probably for quite a bit you might be fuller with more, more full with grumpiness. Because you'll probably be irritated by all the things that God is pointing out in your own life. But, you know, He'll work, He'll lead you through it. Who wouldn't want more of the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit? I think, I know, that when you pray, when you give thanks especially, that you'll know more of God's peace in your life. I'm not saying that it'll be easy. I'm not saying that you won't hit the bumps, that life won't go wrong, but even in those circumstances, you can know peace because he's with you. The peace of God that passes all understanding will be guarding your heart and your mind. What will happen if we do this? I think together we'll be seeking first the kingdom of God because you can only read the word of God for so long before you then start seeing what he's calling you to do around you. You know, this is the reason why we've started with this rather than some great project. You know, All Saints is so amazingly talented. We could have pitched out some great project this September and said, come on, all on board, let's get it sorted. You know, that's not the plan. The plan is that we pray some more, we read God's word, and that each one of us is released to do the things that God has called us to do. That there might well be another project, who knows? 
And I think if we do these things, what will happen is we'll become a church on the way.